people focus in so much on their finances, especially in the Vancouver and Toronto markets as far as housing and and, and people are so focused a lot on about money. And we put an equation together. We relate your health to your finances and how there's a good direct correlation. If you, if you substitute your financial health and put it for your physical health, the same correlations apply in terms that you, every day you make uh, withdrawals from your health and every day you make deposits and hopefully your deposits are more than your withdrawals. Uh, and if they're not, uh, eventually you'll find that you'll be obesity, heart disease, diabetes, cancers. A lot of things will, will amount because you're making too many withdrawals and not enough deposits into your health. You're listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Business of Thought Leadership. I'm your co-host, Nikki Ballou. And I'm that other co-host, Michael Palmer. Michael, I'm so excited about today's episode. Yeah. Hal Johnson, Mr. Body Break himself. I mean, this guy is the original thought leader. He's been known for being the body break guy for like 30 years. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and what a, a great example of building authority in a marketplace. And now we're going to listen to and hear about how he's leveraged that today. Absolutely. And you know what's brilliant about that for the listener is that you can really listen for how his backstory helped him overcome the adversity he had in the early days and how you, wherever you happen to be, uh, dear listener, in your journey in thought leadership can do the same and utilize that to become even more commercial. Let's face it, Michael, the people who listen to this podcast are aspiring thought leaders, right? Yeah. You know, I, I was listening to Donald Miller the other day on his podcast. And what he says is there's got to be a hero to the story. So the, the hero to our story is you, the listener. You're the aspiring thought leader. You're somebody who wants to make your mark, make the difference you were born to make in the world. And the challenge that you're facing right now is quite likely that you want to have a bigger impact. You want to make more money. And inside, you might be a little bit frustrated. You might be thinking to yourself, you know, if I got what it takes, can I do it? And, you know, existentially, philosophically, perhaps you're thinking, you know, but this is the way business ought to be done. People ought to be sharing their gifts, uh, ought to be living their soul's purpose rather than being in a soulless environment that's sucking them dry. And you're looking for a guide. And your guide is going to be this podcast and the great people that we have on it. And we're going to help you by showing you the best things that the incredible thought leaders we bring on our show have to offer, how you can utilize that to take your business to the next level so that you can keep making the difference you were born to make at an ever higher level. And you don't have to sink into that abyss of, of stagnating or floundering. Yeah. And here's the thing. A lot of people listening probably don't even consider themselves to be thought leaders. And the case of the matter is you actually are a thought leader. And the whole point here is to become known in a marketplace to be the authority. So you're great at something. The idea is the guests we have are people who have demonstrated where they're really great at something. And then they leverage that to become very well known for doing that. What happens is you attract people to you. Uh, you get to charge premium rates in that particular marketplace. 
And actually, business becomes a lot more fun and a lot more easy. So I hope you can listen to these episodes from that standpoint as well. Beautiful, Michael. All right. Well, with no further ado, let's get Hal on the show. You bet. Hal, it's it's a total honor to have you here on the show. I grew up watching Body Break. It inspired me to take my own health and fitness to the next level. I consider you to be an icon in the world of health and fitness, and you're certainly a thought leader in that world. How did you get to be Hal Johnson? How did you get to create this incredible position as an authority in the marketplace of fitness? Well, well, thank you very much for those uh, nice comments. I, mean, I thought you were going to say the granddaddy or something like that to you know, make me feel really old, but no, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been a long time. Uh, you know, we're, uh, we've been doing it almost 30 years, 29 years now. It really started with the idea, the premise of how can I get people to live, work, and play together? And so that was really my thought process in, in developing the idea. It really came about, uh, I, would, I would say almost by accident, because um, uh, Joanne and I, had, we had met in the gym about, uh, about a month prior to um, June 8th of 88. That was the day that we came up with the idea of the show. And we, the idea of the show was really to show that all of us, all Canadians can and as I said, live, work, and play together. And it came about because I had an incident where I was doing a, t- a commercial and the, the director didn't want me to stand next to the, the blonde girl because he said he thought that the, the client thought that, they would, that, that people would think that we were together. And so I thought, and on that day, I came up with the idea and the concept. I thought, how can I do something that can show that we all Canadians can live, work, and play together. And hence, within um, about an hour of that, during lunch, I wrote up a storyboard. And because Joanne and I, both our backgrounds are fitness, were, were athletics, um, I centered it around this fitness concept. And uh, within, I'd say, two and a half months from that time, we had a contract uh, with Participation to, uh, to produce a series of them. And then we went on and uh, we only produced 65 with participation, and we've produced over 300 episodes to, to this point. That's incredible. That's absolutely fantastic. So, Hal, you know what? The name of this podcast is The Business of Thought Leadership. The people who listen to this podcast are either themselves thought leaders or they're aspiring thought leaders. And what I think would be really interesting to our listener would be to hear a little bit about how you've taken that position of thought leadership and leveraged it to make it be commercially successful. Could you give us a little bit about that? Well, uh, you know, it's funny. In the beginning, uh, I sold computer systems. That was my main job. (laughs) And Joanne worked for uh, Canada Life Insurance Company. And so when we came up with the idea of doing this, uh, as I said, I was doing commercials on the side just as fun and everything. Um, And when when we came up with the idea... I said to Joanne on June 8th of 88, I said, this is going to work. And I know it is. I know it's going to be successful. It was just that, uh, just that gut feeling and the, the confidence that I said, this will, this will happen. And so from that, that element, that drive and, and, and some kind of single focus, and as, actually as we got into it, uh, we did our first year and things started to amount and come together. I said to Joanne, wouldn't it be terrible if we had to go back and get a real job? <laughs> um, it, because we had both quit our jobs and we were, were doing this full time. And we just, um, 
just simply said, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, the year two, oh, wouldn't it be terrible if we had to get a real job? Year 10, year 15, and now we're almost 30 years into it. And we still feel the same way. Like it's, uh, we just enjoy what we do. We do lots of presentations across the country. Now we, we go kind of coast to coast uh, uh, doing different things. And we've been, I mean, tomorrow we're at a, with Earth Day in Toronto with Ken Dryden and um, the police director, uh, uh, the chief of police, we're with him and we're doing a Earth Day hockey outside, uh, uh, you know, for get kids more active. We've got a great gig, a great job, and, and, um, and we have lots of fun. And, and then we'll be speaking across the country, uh, Vancouver, uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce Power Plant, we're out there, we're in Halifax, and that's all in the next uh, couple weeks. And uh, going coast to coast, doing uh, speaking engagements about uh, about health, healthy living. What we really do now, there's so much uh, people focus in so much on their finances, especially in the Vancouver and Toronto markets as far as housing and and, and people are so focused a lot on about money. And we put an equation together. We relate your health to your finances. And how there's a good direct correlation if you if you substitute your financial health and put it for your physical health, the same correlations apply in terms that you every day you make uh, withdrawals from your health and every day you make deposits and hopefully your deposits are more than your withdrawals uh, and if they're not, uh, eventually you'll find that you'll be obesity, heart disease, diabetes cancers, a lot of things will will amount because you're making too many withdrawals and not enough deposits into your health. I really like how you've, you know, evolved your uh, brand, I guess, if you will, over the years and kept it fresh and, and, uh, and still going today. I'd really like to hear about some of the challenges that you face because early on, early days, there, there's people out there that have this vision like you to make a difference in the world around showing that people can be equal and work together and play together. And, and that turned into something much larger than that. But there's got to be a lot of hurdles that you had to overcome. Talk a little bit about that. Well, yeah, it's, it, it, it is interesting. And I have a lot of um, you know, say younger people coming to me and I'm happy to help them out in any way I can, because I was certainly helped out uh, when I started. And I feel it's like you've got to kind of give back and whether it's, I don't know, somebody calls me up and asks me for advice on something, I'll be happy to do that. And, and what I often say to them is that when I started, when we started up, it was a lot harder on one, in one hand, and it was a lot easier on the other. Um, so today you have many platforms, um, you know, your podcast is an example, and there's many different platforms that you can, you can get your message out if you want to. But there's so much noise out there that it's hard to break through the, all the clutter. It's very, very difficult. You know, whether you're on Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, like where are you going to be? Um, you have that opportunity to get your voice out, which is absolutely terrific. Basically what happened was that I found a niche and my challenge was, okay, how do we get, get the attention? So, so basically um, I sold computer systems, so my background is selling. So I was... I was pretty used to getting rejected. So when I, when I started Body Break, I, we, we went out and we did this pilot and these a couple of friends who were in the business gave me 
gave me some deals and so forth. And Joanne, I asked her, I said, do you have $2,000? And she said, uh, yeah. I said, she goes, what do you want? I said, well, I've got this idea. And, 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 uh, so we, we rubbed our $2,000 together, which we really didn't have. That was her last $2,000. And I, I think I had about uh, $2,600 and we rubbed that money together. We simply, uh, made the pilot. I took it around to 42 different companies and I was told no by uh, all of them. But what I was told was they'd never seen anything like it before. And so on the 42nd company was, was TSN. Um, they were companies and broadcasters I went to. And TSN, which was relatively young at the time, I think about five or six years old, they loved it. TSN thought, oh, this is great. But because I'm half black and Joanna's white, they said, you can produce it, but we don't want you to be in the show because we don't want interracial. They they didn't think that that the Canada was ready for interracial uh, couple on television. And so I I went home that day and and instead of getting angry, I certainly didn't get mad. I walked out, shook the guy's guy's hand, walked out of the place. And I said, okay, there's got to be somebody who thinks that this is a good idea. Uh, and then I thought, I went home and um, uh, Joanne and I were sitting there talking. I asked her, who, produ- who promotes health uh, to Canadians? Who's the, uh, and she goes, that participation, participation group or something like that. I looked up their, their phone number at 3.30 in the afternoon in the white pages of the phone book. And I, I called them. And a gentleman by the name Bob Duck answered. Uh, he, he was the vice president there. And I talked to him for about 20 minutes, set up a meeting, went and saw him two days later. And then within um, about three weeks' time, we had a contract with Participation uh, to do a pilot episodes. We produced those. And then it went on to, as I said before, produce 65 episodes uh, for Participation. Amazing. Um, and so, but it, it really came about from thinking, okay, here's a roadblock. Here's my challenge with the TSN. How do I get around that? Because there's, there's got to be something positive I can take out of this. And, and that's where, you know, you, you turn lemons into lemonade. And, and that's where it was the best thing that could have ever happened to us. Um, we got instant credibility with the stations because we were associated with this "Quote unquote government entity being that of participation, we got instant credibility with with um, Canadians because of our association with participation. But then I found out that participation is a public service announcement. Well, stations can't really; they didn't get Canadian content credit for PSAs, public service announcements. But I went to the CRTC and I got a programming number for our show. And what that made it is it made it a Canadian content program that the, that we would provide to the stations free of charge. So it was a, there was a motivation for the stations to play them because they got credit for the um, using body break and they didn't have to pay for it. So that was an incentive for the stations. And the reason there was a big incentive is because on American shows that play on Canadian television, they couldn't play as many commercials. So they were on an American program. They were always two minutes short per half hour. Body break was 90 seconds. It fit in there. They got, they got Canadian content programming. And that's why we were being played 1800 times a week on 140 stations across the country. That's why we know um, you so and, well. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that's why you know us. That's exactly right. <laughs> I love and, that story. And that's why you think you grew up with us. But it was that, that little 
um, doing a little investigating, finding out, uh, and I think this is uh, for everyone today, taking that, that's, that lesson, uh, what I learned and what I did then, is that you always have to find the win for everyone. The win for the stations was that they got this free and they had a, they filled, we filled a need for them. Um, and so, and it benefited participation and it benefited, um, the, the public and it made these stations look good. So they were doing something that they thought made them look good and it filled a need. And so if you're, if you're looking to do something today, how can you do that same thing? How can you fill a need, fill a void at the same time benefit, uh, people in, in, um, and, and I think that's where, you, you know, the proverbial win-win uh, situation comes into play. I really love what you just revealed to us. So I'll speak about it at several levels. I, I'm an immigrant to Canada. I like to call myself a, an olive-skinned man. I'm from the Middle East originally. And, uh, you know, when you said that uh, the folks back in 88 said, I, I don't know if Canadians are ready for an interracial couple, there was something in me that went, wait a minute, what are you talking about? We're like the most diverse place in the, on the planet and the, probably the most tolerant in the world. But then... What you said next blew me away because I think that's a mark of a really, really evolved individual, an evolved man. And you said, I didn't get mad. I actually thought, okay, how do I figure this out? And you know what? I think a lot of people today who, pardon me for saying this, express a lot of outrage over this sort of thing could learn from the example of what you just shared right now. Because Instead of getting angry, you found a way to make it work, and you got around it anyways. And at the end of the day, tons and tons of Canadians did get to see you and Joanne, and, uh, you know, an interracial couple, a diverse couple uh, here in Canada doing your thing and making a massive difference. And I think the Canadian public, it's fair to say, fell in love with you guys at some level. I mean, I did for sure. Saying, I look forward to the body break uh, announcements when they came on. And it was just wonderful to see. And you, you you took a potentially tough situation and you spun it into gold. And you did it in a very evolved way. And I think, you know, I learned something from what you just shared. And I hope that our listener listening to this did as well. Well, well thank you. And I think the, 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 the thing I walk away with is TSN for the, for, I don't know, for 12, 14, 15 years was probably our number one player of Body Break episodes. It turned out, I mean, wow. <laughs> um, and it's like, they, they played the hell out of us like, all the time. And it was, I thought I, I would always kind of chuckle when I'd see it like on Monday night football on TSN. I go, I'd, I'd say, <laughs> these are the guys who turned us down and now they're our biggest advocates. Yeah. But it's, you know, it was just, it was just one guy and one guy's opinion. And I think that people today, they, they are very sensitive to things. And, and again, I, I, you know, grew up in the sixties and seventies and, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a coach said to me, geez, how come you're not fast? You're black. You should be faster, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and so it was a baseball coach, you know? So, and I went home to my, my dad, I said, dad, how come I'm not faster? The coach said I should be faster because <laughs> I'm black. And he, my dad just, you know, shook his head. But yeah, I, I think that, you should try to turn your your outrage into a positive, and and I think I think what happens is is when you get angry, when you get emotional, 
you can't think very clearly. And that's what I've tried to, to not be angry. And, and I try to educate. And so one of the things, for example, in the body break episodes that people would really never really know or really pick out, but often people of color or people uh, with disabilities would, would see, would see themselves. And that's what I thought was very important is for people to see themselves reflective. So what you would see, like I wouldn't have all my Jamaican friends, uh, like have a gym scene when we were setting up a gym scene and have like, you know, 25 Jamaican guys, buddies of mine uh, having, uh, uh, in the scene or Asian people or what I wouldn't kind of, what I would do is I would bring people into the scene. I'd make a point that, okay, we're going to have a, you know, a, a Jamaican or a, um, a person of color here. We're going to have a woman here. We're going to have a, a person. Um, and we, we, we would do things at uh, restaurant teams where there's an agency that hires persons with disabilities, yeah. uh, acting extras and so forth, that sort of thing. And then they're, ju- they're just, they're only people with disabilities. And so we would, we would hire uh, those people as extras wheelchairs and that sort of thing. Like I wouldn't just get a wheelchair. I get somebody who is a person with disability and have them, let's say at a restaurant, you would see the top of the wheelchair. It wouldn't be kind of, um, kind of a blatant, Oh, here's the person going across the room in a wheelchair. Hmm. They're just part of the landscape. And, and that's right, right from the beginning. That was, we, they're just part of the landscape. They're there. Or we'd have somebody in the background let's say at a, in a, a certain scene at a grocery store and they'd be doing sign language to the person, to the, uh, the person that be with them. They'd be kind of over the shoulder, kind of in the background. You just see they were, they were extras in the background doing that. And it was, my point is to just was always just to kind of, you put a little bit of sauce, a little bit of salt and pepper in it. You make it, you make it a little bit um, spicier and, and the people with a disability will see themselves and be reflective in there. A person of color will see themselves uh, being reflected. And and I remember something very, as a kid growing up in the 60s, I never saw myself reflected on television. I, and, and the only time I would see myself, there, Xerox back in the 60s would produce these specials for uh, black history or black, something to do with the civil rights movement or something like that. Yeah. And I always thought very good about Xerox because they did that as a, and, and so I, I would, uh, God bless I, I thought it was very important to, to, to show that, but not, not hit anybody over the head with it, but just be, we're just part of the landscape. And I think today young people, Younger people today, when I when we do our talks, and and sometimes I'll, I'll mention about if we're, depending on what our talk is about, I'll mention about the kind of what I would you know the racism as we'd call it today that I, that we faced, and they're shocked. Like you can't a person would actually say that to you, and and yeah, I mean, but you know, he the one thing he was honest. I mean, like he didn't he didn't give me a politically correct answer, and if he had. I may not have been able to figure it out and, and ending up going to participation. So, so I've often thanked him for pu- pu- um, uh, pushing me in that direction. Well, you know, it, it was maybe a sign of, of the times. I mean, at that time, people were less sensitive 
didn't understand people from different backgrounds as well. And and and, and as I say, I, I don't consider what the fellow said necessarily racist per se, but it certainly I thought was an ignorant comment that he made to you. But how you handled it, I just think was brilliant. And how you used it as fuel to to fuel your dream and make it a reality. I mean, that's genius. That That's a masterstroke. Uh, we've often said, often, we were lucky. I mean, the stars aligned for us. We worked really hard. We worked really hard, but we were, we were fortunate. But what I would also say, and, and I've, been, I've been in hundreds, and I mean hundreds of meetings with different companies, corporations, and a lot and a lot of ad, ad agencies. And there are very few people of color in the, in, in the ad agencies. Very few diversity. We just did a, a thing for Netflix. Santa Clarita diet that we shot. And, uh, is that was, the show where it, people it, eat it, people? Is that the one? That's right. That's right. And so, and we, we did a, a spoof on body break with, with them. So they came up from Los Angeles and we shot it up here in Toronto. And we met with, um, we met with all the people and, and the ad agency and the, the production company, every, everything. And I said to Joanne, I said, when we were there, um, we were off to the side and, and there was probably 15 people in the room and most of them were from Toronto and they're the ad agency people and production people and so forth. There wasn't one person of color in that. Mm-hmm. And you look at Toronto and we think of how diverse and so forth it is. There's not one person of color. That uh, kind of shocks and, me. And, 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 but you know, just step back a little bit and think about, think about the, uh, the media up here. Like we, we pride ourselves, and, and you know, be honest. With you, I mean, I am so proud to be Canadian. I am, I am, I'm just so proud to be Canadian. Um, and and I've always been. I you know, played on Team Canada, and and um, and we you know, last month we received the Meritorious Service Award from the Governor General, um, which was uh, you know immense, a lot of pride in it. And so I'm I'm a very proud Canadian, but I also am realistically and realistic. And I look at things and I, I say to myself, for example, the fan five ninety, the fan, they have no host on the fan, uh, of color. So you've got all these ball players, all these players, whether it be, you know, uh, football, basketball, baseball, uh, of color. And yet you have no one on your radio station on the fan or TSN, uh, of color. Who who has a who is a host of the show and and you you can't tell me that you couldn't have someone that there are different people in the the different stations that have yeah. you know uh, David Amber for example on uh, you know uh, uh, on now on Rogers and and uh, he I mean he, he he's very knowledgeable and he's of color they have no one who hosts and I find it so funny when I look at Rogers has a thing where they put all their people, their baseball people together. And there's about uh, 20 of them that are all their baseball guys. And they have uh, Hazel May and no one else in the picture of color. So it, I just thought, why, why aren't these sports networks being more diverse? So we've come a long way, but we still have a long way to go. Well, when it comes to sports, I hate to say it, but a lot of the ballplayers, if they can get a gig in the U.S., they're going to take that. (laughs) 
you know, versus getting a gig over here that pays a lot better. And if you watch ESPN and, and, and networks like that, they've got a pretty diverse group over there. But in Canada, yeah, I, I never really noticed it before you said it. But yes, they definitely could. We've got people like Pinball Clemens over here. It'd be great if Pinball but, would but decide not, to do something like that. But not the ball like players necessarily. People in broadcasting. Yeah, yeah, I, that I, are, that's what I'm right. talking about. Like, in, if you watch ESPN, you got Steve Smith and all those guys there, right? And Dion right. and so forth. But good point and progress still to be made. <laughs> well, that's that's my point. Is that you know I, I look at what we we've uh, done and and what you know the evolution of of it through through the years. But I the fight is not over, and and so that's why it's funny because when you look at the Pepsi ad. That, that came out and I thought that was I can understand you taking offense to it I understand people take the, the, the Caitlyn or with Jim not Caitlyn Jenner but uh, Jenner uh, um, Kardashian came out with doing that Pepsi ad is that there was probably no one in that room of color no there was no black person in that room who could have another say hey guys this isn't really this ain't the what smartest we should thing. Be doing. But I'll tell you what, you know. Pepsi is laughing all the way to the bank. I went to look at that ad when I heard about all the controversy. You know, millions of other people did too. They achieved their right. objectives. Somebody there is crazy like a fox. But do you see? But I guess the bottom line is the whole thing about advertising is that you want to feel they they want you to feel good about it. It's not just getting hits and viral. At the end of the day, do you think this is a stupid company? Man, that was kind of a dumb idea. And so, you know, I, I do believe that there is such thing as good advertising and, or, uh, you know, good publicity and bad publicity. And I, I don't necessarily yeah. feel good about Pepsi uh, as a company. I mean, I don't feel good about Pepsi or Coke. I, cause yeah, I, know, water, I, you shouldn't be drinking it. I think we can all agree you know, on that. <laughs> that's right. So, but but as a as a company, I think that you're tone deaf and you're not and you're you're not you know you're not very bright and you're obviously not diverse. You know, I mean, as you said, you're you're from the the Middle East. Yep. If you were doing something about uh, Middle Eastern culture, or or wouldn't you want to have somebody who who lives it, who knows yeah, it, who probably give you a little bit of insight into, ah, I'm not sure if you should do that. Like, I, like just as funny, like a, a, a small, like a tiny example. If you were to have, when my, when my American buddies come to Canada, when they come up here, and my buddies from California, um, he walked into our house and he didn't take his shoes off. I go. Yeah, I said, they're like that the down off. there. I've got American relatives. They're like that. <laughs> right. I go, you take your, you, you come into my house, you take your shoes, shoes off, off. <laughs> you, you know? And, and it's like, it's like, I don't know what it is, but, but, and, and I, all I thought was maybe because there's so much snow up here and mud and stuff like that, that we, you know, you, that's why you have mud rooms and we take our shoes off and that's why we, why we do it. But culturally up here, you don't walk into somebody's house with your shoes on. Like it's just, that's a cultural thing, and and so you you have to be sensitive to knowing the culture. So it's, absolutely, uh, that's important. Well, listen, we like to wrap up every episode by asking our guests, "What are your three expert action steps that you would recommend to our listener as an aspiring thought leader to take on into applying in their business to take them to the next level?" Well, I would say the number one thing, the three items that I would think would be the most important 
to take your dream and to the next level is uh, first and foremost, surround yourself with people that believe in your dream. There are so many people that will say you can't do it because they don't think they could do it. And mm-hmm. so they go, well, if he, I don't think I can do that. So therefore they put their negativity and their, uh, their insecurity on you. So, so if you've got a dream, get the negative people out of your life. My dad thought when I told my dad what I was going to do and, and he, he told me hundred percent, you're going to do it. I knew when I talked to him, he had no idea what I was talking about really, but I knew he was going to be positive. And so I only surrounded myself with, with good people. Um, and I think that's the, and people that believe in your dream, be persistent and understand that you're going to get rejected time and time and time again. And it's not, uh, it's not going to happen overnight necessarily, but you're, you're going to get rejected. And I think that's a thing that, that when I was turned down, 42 times, I would come back to Joanne and, and be excited that these people had not seen something before. She said, yeah, but they turned you down. I said, yeah, but they said they hadn't seen it all before, anything before. I took the positive out of the negative and that kept fueling me on to the next, the next level. And, and again, it, it, it's funny, the other elephant, is, and it all comes back to come back to that is just have a good attitude. You know, I I really think you know attitude is everything, and all three of those, all three of those things I say, are around your mental health. Just like in the physical, your mind will break down far sooner than your body will. Your your mind will 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 give up, and that's from a physical perspective. That's certainly what happens when you when you're walking through the desert. Your body doesn't go into shock generally it's your mind that will give up before that will happen. And interesting enough on the amazing race, we were so focused and what you didn't see on the amazing race is that um, we had no water and it was 40 degrees. We went so hard that my body shut down from dehydration. My mind, I was say so, so focused on the task at hand. My, my mind, my mind was still going, but my body shut down. And that's kind of a, I don't know, I feel very good about that, that I was still, um, I, I was so determined I wasn't going to stop. But, um, you know, we were uh, like eight hours and 40 degrees and no water. And, um, but the, uh, so it, it, it's your, your mind is your strength. That's fantastic, Hal. And listen, is there anything that uh, you'd like to promote to the folks in events or is there programs or products or anything on the bodybreak.com website? You know, we're, we're at a stage where we, uh, we just, we're doing a lot of corporate speaking across the country, a lot of uh, speaking to different groups and organizations, and it's a lot of fun for us to do that. And, and people, if they're interested in you know, booking us for an event, uh, just go to bodybreak.com and send me an email. I'm happy to... Uh, respond to that and, and we, we really enjoy it and uh, we're, we're looking at uh, one of the um, major banks in the, the country is looking to put a series of body break uh, talks on um, as we relate your, as I said uh, before your financial fitness to your physical fitness and uh, the correlations between the two so uh, we're quite excited about that and um, uh, we just enjoy it you know and like we always say until next time keep fit and have fun
I love it. Love I it. I love it. That's fantastic. You know what, Hal? It's been a real honor having you on the show. I mean, as I said, I grew up watching you and Joanne, and I, and I was inspired by you. It, it had a lot to do with my own journey of fitness. And uh, because of what you do, I, uh, I'm in my late 40s, and I still work out six, seven days a week. So thank you so much for that. Mm-hmm. Good for you. Good I'll for echo you. That's that, great. I'll echo that as well. I don't, uh, I don't, not often I go out, do something physical without thinking about one of those episodes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, yeah, I, as I say uh, in our talks, is that you know, every day we get up, we make a decision. Uh, are we going to be, uh, is this going to be a healthy day? And are we going to make healthy decisions? And so uh, that's how, that's how I live my life uh, each day. And I, I believe that, when people say that, you know, we've helped them and so forth, body break has helped me. I've been so fortunate, Joanna and I both feel about this way. We've been so fortunate to be able to live a life where our job, quote unquote, is to promote health. And I mean, what a better thing for us to do. I mean, it's, we feel very, very blessed and, and very fortunate to, uh, to have, as I say, stumbled upon this, uh, this great career. Well, Keep doing what you're doing. You're, uh, you're an inspiration to, to millions, and uh, your thought leadership definitely is something that w- we can all learn from, and it was really fabulous having you on the show. Take care. Well, thank you very much for uh, reaching out. Take care. Bye-bye. 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 That was an awesome interview. You know what? Hal Johnson is an icon in Canada, and... Honestly, millions of people know Body Break. Millions of people have been inspired to lead healthier lives. So this man and his wife, Joanne, they have basically made the difference they were born to make. And that's that's what this show is all about, helping people by introducing them to people who are doing that so that they can learn from them and do it for themselves. Yeah. And I, I really like, you know, every he's a textbook example of what we do over at the academy, right? We help people figure out what is it, you know, the unique intelligence, what is their expertise, what have they been doing their whole life? And then how do you actually take that out into the world and do really well with it and as well make a lot of money doing it and from a commercial standpoint. And you can tell how it's not about the money, but if we, you know, took a look at what all the things that he's done and how he's leveraging that awareness, I'm sure it's not too bad for the, the bank account either. Just the, the, the niche market that he talked about, having a real narrow, narrow message. He just hit every single point. I mean, our members definitely listening to this episode are going to love that. And, and it's a great example of how to actually go and do it in the world. And I think, listeners, you must have gotten some great stuff from this today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know what? Um, Hal Johnson uh, and Joanne McLeod together have really created something special. And they did it by following their heart. They took a risk. They took a chance. And adversity was something that they weren't strangers to. I mean, people told them, you know what? Your idea is great, but you're an interracial couple. and I'm not sure the public's ready for you. And instead of getting angry at that, he actually used that for creativity and fuel to find a way to get it done anyways. And that really, really inspired me. A lot of people can learn from that. Instead of getting angry, if someone throws an obstacle in your path, even if it's an unfair obstacle, which in this case, it clearly was, 
Find a way to use that as motivation, as a way to get creative, and as a way to make your dream happen in maybe an even bigger, better way. And even the people who were against you could end up being for you. Because as he said, TSN, who initially was against him, ended up being the biggest promoter of Body Break. How cool is that? Yeah, it's fantastic. Listen, we, we've been sharing the market authority blueprint with our listeners. I think it's something that if you're listening, talks a lot of things Hal has done. We, we lay that out in the market authority blueprint. You can get that at the business of thoughtleadership.com forward slash authority. Download that, start doing the same. Business is a heck of a lot more fun when you're an authority in the market that you're trying to penetrate. So that that pretty much wraps another episode and what a great episode it was of the Business of Thought Leadership podcast. Please, to get the show notes, to find out more about our guest today, go to thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Until next time, goodbye. You've been listening to The Business of Thought Leadership with Nikki Ballou and Michael Palmer. For more information and to download the resources mentioned in this episode, please visit us at thebusinessofthoughtleadership.com. Thank you for listening. 